So the choice that lies before you today is to genuinely connect with people, to not hide. Paul Tournier, the Swiss physician, therapist, Christian writer, talks about how deeply we were made to know other people and to be known by other people. And we long for that, but we're terrified by it. It alone brings us healing, and yet it also is something that we uh, strangely resist and have a hard time doing. Sherry Tuckle, who's at MIT, has done a lot of study about the impact of technology on human connection, talks about how in our day, we come to flee, run away from face-to-face conversations. She says, one of the young men that she talked to said, conversation, I'll tell you what's wrong with conversation. Number one, it takes place in real time. And number two, you can't control what you are going to say and what needs to be said. And of course, we were meant to live in real time and we were meant not to be in control. So here's what Tournier writes in The Meaning of Persons. Personal contact is ever a fragile thing, unstable, insecure. It has to be found again at each meeting. When it's established, words come easily and seem all true to have life and substance. And you and I would know what that is, know what it is to experience that in a relationship. But beforehand, before personal contact is established, those words somehow seem hollow, conventional, trivial. We are somehow embarrassed as we approach one another. Lack of contact causes embarrassment, and embarrassment makes contact more difficult. The other person and I are both seeking contact. And in order to find it, We hide our embarrassment under a cloak of banalities, witticisms, digressions. Each feels that the other knows very well what we're doing, and that makes our embarrassment worse. And we see a picture of this at the beginning when the fall takes place and when sin happens and God comes to make personal contact with Adam. And Adam is not there, is not available. And when God asked why Adam's response was, I heard you. I was aware, God, you were there, but I was afraid because I was naked. I was aware of my shame, my brokenness, my wrongdoing, my regret, and therefore I hid. And I can hide in a thousand ways behind evasions and lies and digressions and ideas and changes of subjects and questions that I ask another person. Tournier writes, and someone hides, or rather, One is divided between showing oneself and hiding. Suppose someone has just paid me a compliment. Instead of telling him what he says pleases me enormously, I pass it off with a hollow protest. And it struck me when I read this. I don't think anytime somebody has praised me, I have ever said, that pleases me enormously. But the reality is, it generally does please me enormously. And it would probably create more of a real connection if I actually just acknowledge that. So today, you might just try that. for That pleases me enormously if somebody praises you for something. Instead of telling him what he says pleases me enormously, I pass it off with a hollow protest. Of course, this affectation of modesty does not deceive him. I'm reminded of a remark made by one of my patients. Life is a universal game of hide-and-seek in which we just pretend to hide. And yet I do desire this personal contact. It is even a thing I am particularly greedy for. It is one of the things that I most value in life. 
and yet somehow at the same time that I want it, I evade it. And Turnier does such a masterful job of describing the subtleties in all this and the complexities and the layers of it. Think of what goes up to make most conversations. Superficial impressions, what nice weather. Conventional remarks that do not always come from the heart. How are you? Observations whose true intention is self-justification or more or less cleverly to make the most of oneself. Flattery, straightforward or veiled criticism. And I find those in my conversations all the time. And then each of us does his best to hide behind a shield. That's the primary observation. Now, ever since Adam, see that began in the garden to begin with our brokenness and fallenness. Each of us does our best to hide behind his shield. So I want to do a little shield audit with you. What's your shield? Where do you hide from God, from other people, even yourself? For one, it is a mysterious silence which constitutes an impenetrable retreat. For another, it's just the opposite. It's facile chit-chat so that we never get near him. For another, it's erudition, quotations, abstractions, theories, ready-made answers, trivialities, patronizing advice. One hides behind his timidity so that we cannot find anything to say to him. Another hides behind a fine self-assurance which renders, renders him or her less vulnerable. I think of a friend of mine that uh, said in a small group, in quite a vulnerable way, uh, I wrestle with lust, and one of the other people's immediate response is, oh, I never wrestle with lust. And of course, that just shuts down any kind of conversation. I don't know anybody who doesn't actually wrestle with sexuality in one way or another. I think about a person that I talked to years ago where I talked about the need for vulnerability in relationships, and it was like an iron curtain went up, and I thought, I cannot go there with this person. At one moment, we have recourse to our intelligence to help us juggle with words. Later on, we pretend to be stupid so that we can reply as if we had not understood. Psychologists say there is such a thing as what is sometimes called strategic incompetence. Husbands will often use this around the house to get out of having to do something. I don't know how. I didn't understand. Uh, hurry does this. Turnier writes, will say things like, I just have time for a quick call, just coming to have a quick conversation, which means I am not disposed to discuss with you, to raise with you the question that we are both thinking about and that really calls for a frank explanation. Think about a person I know whose phrase often would be, well, I want to respect your time. What that really meant was get out of my office, but it was couched as I want to respect your time. Even without saying anything, but by using gestures suggestive of haste, one can give one's partners to understand he must not draw one into a difficult or serious discussion. There are many people like that, always in a hurry, never allowing themselves to be tied down. They rush from one activity to another with magnificent devotion and tremendous zeal. And I think about times when I was working at a church where my job is to try to be present on behalf of God for people but I would feel uh, introverted or anxious or preoccupied. 
and walk in such a way that just the way that my body carriage and the pace of my walk and what I was doing with my face and my eyes was, instead of communicating to people, come and talk with me, it, it was just sending off little signals. Nope, don't talk, don't approach. I mentioned Sherry Turkle at the beginning of this chat, this researcher at MIT. She says that over the last 30 years, there has been a 40% loss of the capacity to empathize, to be able to understand and to some extent experience or respond to how it is that other people are feeling because increasingly we are fleeing from face-to-face -face conversation and uh, conversing with screens. And ironically, both our capacity to be alone is diminishing because with the screen I'm never really alone but our capacity to be with other people, to have true contact is diminishing. And so we are teaching people to never be alone, but always be lonely. It's fascinating. In one study, she found that just simply having a phone on the table when two people are talking changes the topics they talk about. They talk about things that are more superficial and it also diminishes the sense of connection that both people have with each other. Just having the phone on the table. So here's the choice for today. Do not hide. I don't know what your shield is. I often hide behind wanting to try to look intelligence. Um, I hide behind hurry. I hide because I am afraid, because I feel out of control, because I feel clumsy with another person, because I will look at other folks that I really admire when they just plunge into conversations and they seem to do it effortlessly and I don't. And yet, and yet, and yet, I can't, but God can. So the invitation is today, be curious. Just really be interested in uh, another person, what's going on in their face, what's going on in their life, what's going on in their heart, what are the details? And then be real. Where do I want to use evasion or my intelligence or my stupidity or uh, my hurry or my change of subject to uh, avoid having a significant contact? And instead of that, actually be real. And if I feel awkward or uncertain or anxious, I can say that to another person. The strange thing is I'll connect with people just out of an authentic admission of my own sense of inadequacy in ways that I will never connect if I'm just trying to show them how adequate I am. Be curious, be real, be screenless. Put the darn phone away. When you and I talk with somebody, let it be face-to-face. -face. Ask God for His help. I love you. See you next time. Thanks for joining us here at becomenew.me. You can join the conversation on YouTube or Facebook or Instagram. If you'd like to receive the daily emails that go along with each video, let us know at becomenew.me at gmail.com. Or if you want prayer, you can text us at 855-888-0444.